Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time, and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843-664-8989, heritagedigital.com. Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Inside the Gamecocks podcast, Saturday edition. J.C. Sherbert here with you. Lots to talk about this week. Lots of has been going on. You've been following it on the bigspur.com. Uh, thanks to Heritage Digital, as always, for the news and notes segment. Uh, Gamecock women have defeated Louisville. They won it last night, 72-59. Never really thought, I watched most of the game, never really thought the game was in doubt. Louisville made some runs. Uh, South Carolina made some runs, pulled away late. You know, just looking at it, I got the impression Louisville is probably not quite ready for prime time. Uh, And then, of course, uh, that means the Gamecocks will play tomorrow night, 8 o'clock, national championship, second time uh, under Dawn Staley. The Gamecocks will play for the national title. The first time was five years ago uh, out in um, Dallas, and they beat Mississippi State 68-56 to claim the title. this is UConn now, though. UConn beat Stanford. Um, sort of an upset, I would guess. UConn's a really good team. Gamecocks have played both of those teams before beating them this season. Uh, but, uh, you know, just looking at it from the outside perspective, I'm not a women's basketball aficionado. I, I don't talk about it often here other than uh, congratulations and, you know, certainly uh, proud of the team, the program, and all that. Uh, but just looking at it from a perception standpoint, uh, the, the UConn Huskies in, in that sport have been so dominant for so long. Uh, they're, I, I believe it was Geno that called Tennessee the evil empire when uh, they played them uh, while UConn was rising and Pat Summit was at Tennessee. Well, they're the evil empire now. <laughs> and uh, I, I think there's something to be said for knocking them off in a championship game uh, in, in terms of kind of kicking the door down, uh, just because in that sport, you do have, you know, you have several programs that are really good, you know, South Carolina included, um, but they're the big dogs and, uh, Gino RM is undefeated. I think he's 11 and 0 in national championship games. Uh, they got by Stanford, uh, Gamecocks did beat them way back. 
they've got good players. Um, and uh, everybody in the country knows who Don Staley is, and everybody in the country knows about UConn basketball. So to me, uh, this is a big deal for South Carolina and the university uh, in women's sports. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, women's basketball. Uh, really, their whole sports program uh, on Sunday night. So we'll see what happens there. Men's Final Four later today. Of course, Gamecocks aren't in it. But uh, Lamont Paris, I think, is in New Orleans uh, interviewing coaches. Uh, I've heard some uh, just a couple pieces of feedback about his tenure so far. Really has been trying to reach out and start to establish relationships with members of the South Carolina basketball community uh, around the state. Uh, and that's kind of where it starts, you know, in, in my opinion. I think, uh, you know, that's a good first move for any coach that takes over this program. So we'll see. Uh, should have some news about assistant coaches, I think, next week and maybe a little recruiting as well. Gigi Jackson says his decision may come within a week. I don't think that's good for the Gamecocks, but, uh, you know, we'll see sort of what happens uh, with that. I, I sort of feel like he's going to go to Duke just to be honest with you, enjoying that uh, really great recruiting class uh, or the great recruits that they have coming in. Uh, just just, just a guess. Auburn maybe too. I get an Auburn vibe, I guess. They're kind of a dark horse, but uh, I don't know the Gamecocks are going to keep this one at home. It would be great if they did, but I, I just – I think there's been too much transition, um, you know, right now. And that happens when guys are making decisions. Uh, I remember in football, for example, the, the Tyrion Ingram Dawkins recruitment. He's a kid from Gabney. He ends up at Georgia because there was transition. Uh, you know, Justice Boone from Sumter went to Florida that same cycle. And, and if you notice the Gamecocks with Zach Pickens, Boogie Huntley, Taka Hemingway, Jordan Birch, those guys, Gamecocks have been doing pretty well in state to that point with defensive linemen, which is important. But, uh, it didn't happen. And transition impacts comfort level. And comfort level is what uh, all recruiting decisions are based on. A lot of different things influence it. People think that I talk about, when I talk about comfort level, I'm talking about relationships and uh, only. And that's not it. You know, comfort level can be impacted by wins and losses. It can be impacted by job security for a coach. It can be impacted by academics. Uh, it, it all feeds it, it, it to it, a big decision funnel, uh, quite frankly. Uh, back to basketball or keeping them with basketball. You know, I, I've heard some things, some rumblings here and there about the staff. Uh, I don't, you know, and I think, guys, as a fan base, you got to be careful. I got to be careful. I got to be careful to not look at his staff like we do football. Football recruiting for about, gosh, 15 to 17 years, we, we've been tracking recruiters, assistant coaches around the country, and they have a long history of it and all that. Well, basketball, a lot of times the head coach gets credit for the recruit, whereas the assistant did all the legwork, you know, and, and stuff. They just don't, they don't archive it. So there's not read, readily available data. You know, like I had no idea Lamont until I read an article that Lamont Paris had Tyler Hero committed at Wisconsin in-state kids. So, I, uh, you know, we'll see who he gets. Now, I've, I've heard some good things uh, about high-profile assistants, and maybe it will be a known name, maybe it won't, but I think we're going to have to dig a little bit to figure out, you know, quality of staff here 
uh, especially if it's not somebody all of us are familiar with. And, you know, you, you just went through 10 years of Frank Martin and, and his staff. And honestly, they recruited a little different, you know, and, and there was some turnover on his staff and all that, but they recruited differently. They don't, you know, they, they, you know, they, they weren't in on a lot of high profile guys. They kind of worked the transfer market. Uh, the international market for a while was very good to South Carolina. You know, Chuck Martin was a guy everybody sort of kind of knew when he came in. But, uh, you know, all of us have kind of been out of the uh, big time college basketball recruiting scene uh, for a while. Uh, and then there's the transfer portal, uh, which is going to be very, very active. Uh, uh, look, LSU lost every player off their roster in one way or the other transfers, NBA draft, whatever. So McMahon down at LSU, he's, he's, he's got to get a team together. Former Gamecock Trey Hannibal, by the way, uh, who went to Murray state, got in the portal and now he's heading to LSU, uh, with McMahon. So he's back. The Hartsville native is back in the SEC at his third school. Uh, so we'll see sort of what happens there. Uh, football scrimmage today. Uh, looking forward to reading about it and hearing about it on the bigspur.com and elsewhere. Uh, Spencer Rattler going out. It's the first time they've scrimmaged this spring. Uh, as we build up two weeks from today, the Garnet and Black Spring game uh, at Williams Bryce Stadium under the lights, uh, nighttime spring kickoff, which I think it's going to make the crowd pretty big. John Whittle on the Big Spur had a uh, an article today, I guess the biggest crowd they've had for spring games, 38,000. Um, they're trying to top that. So, uh, can they, uh, I, I think they can, you got a baseball series concert, the cocky trot 5k. I mean, you got a lot going on big game cock weekend, right? So, uh, I think if you're trying to increase attendance at a spring game, uh, then making it a, a more about a, a, an event weekend, then uh, just the game itself, I think, is good. And I think moving it at night is good, too, because that gives people time to come and what we call fellowship <laughs> down south in the parking lot. So that'll be good. Curious to see Rattler, the passing game, who plays at receiver, who kind of winds up where. The offensive line uh, it will be something I'm watching now. Uh, remember last year's spring game, because in, in, in spring games, they don't, the defense isn't going to go out there and do a lot of twists and stunts and checks. And uh, they're not running their full package. It's basically base defense. Last year, the O line got, got the best of Carolina's D line, uh, ran it right down their throat <laughs> in the scrimmage part. We're all sitting there thinking, oh, the O line should be pretty good. And, you know, then it turned out, oh, now nah, when you kind of add the window dressing and all that, defenses are, are, are game planning and scheming to attack you, then, you know, that's a different story. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think I think everybody would be happy with Rattler going out and completing some long passes and getting to see him play, and, and everybody kind of gets excited and all that. So we'll see what happens there. But I am very curious to see, you know, what the chatter is uh, from this spring scrimmage this afternoon. Lots of recruits on campus as well uh, coming in to see – the game guys, including a four-star guy from North Carolina, whose name escapes me. Is it Zach Evans? I, he's a, he's an athlete, so he play can play DB, linebacker, receiver. Zach Myers. Zach Myers. I'm sorry, that's that's the thing there. Uh, so that happened. Um, reported earlier this week, and this is the meat and potatoes of this episode. 
according to sources, there is a big push and a movement afoot to restructure the University of South Carolina Board of Trustees. This is coming from the state government, the state legislature. Uh, and folks, I, you know, uh, and we're going to jump in here to the analysis segment. Um, and I will tell you more about this here in a second, but can I get it? I got to get Cindy, <laughs> Cindy Searfoss, uh, Caldwell Banker, Kane Real Estate in my hometown of Spartanburg, married to a diehard Gamecock fan. Cindy's been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Will help you with any of your real estate needs. Folks, I, like I told you, my buddy sold his house recently. He's moving today. I just got a text from him. He said, I hate moving. I do too. But he's 120 grand larger <laughs> now that he sold his house. Now, it's not going to be cheap for him to buy a new one. Uh, but I think in the two, th- two and a half years he's lived there, uh, making that kind of bank, you know, heck, I'll, I'll go live in a studio apartment somewhere with that kind of cash uh, until the housing market kind of settles down. And it is. Uh, but it's still a good time to sell if you want to. Good time to buy coming up. And Cindy can help you with all that. 864-414-5271. C-C-R-F-O-S, that's C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at dot com, Right there in Spartanburg, my hometown. Daniel Morgan Avenue, City Sear Falls, Colwell Banker Kane, proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Teller JC sent you uh, again, 864 414 5271. All right, now back to the board. All right, so for years, guys uh, and gals, uh, we've heard about the Board of Trustees being a problem at South Carolina, politics being a problem at University of South Carolina. I grew up, my dad told me that. Problem at Carolina's politics. You know, you. You had some things happen in the 70s and 80s, getting out of the ACC. It was politically driven to a certain extent. I think Holderman and all that was a mess. Uh, you know, you had the King-Dixon transitional era. They got kind of went in the SEC. Uh, the board, you know, during the McGee tenure as AD and the Hyman tenure, it probably wasn't as front and center, but there were some battles fought more so with Eric Hyman uh, because Eric Hyman kind of had to drag the athletic department kicking and screaming in the 21st century. People didn't like the ticket price increases. I don't think there was a big understanding about the the need for great facilities um, and a master plan and all that. And, and he got it done. You know, he got the money for the Doty. They got Founders Park built. During that time, I mean, the Athletics Village, uh, you look at all that USC built during that time period, and, and it was good. And Hyman pushed it. I don't know if it were up to the board that you know, that would happen. Maybe, maybe not. And so, you know, and I, and I know some people that, that used to serve on the board of trustees, and they're good people. Some of the best human beings I've ever met in my life. Uh, and they weren't really part of the dysfunction. <laughs> Uh, when they were there, quite frankly, I think they miss them, but you know, and, and this is, this is athletics that I'm talking about. And, and, and there's really two parts, this academics and athletics, but you, you look at this board now, uh, and it's kind of current structure and two presidential searches. Um, one was a politically motivated fiasco that ended up in a guy resigning kind of in disgrace and publicly and privately trashing the university on his way out the door, including his kids on Twitter. I'm talking about Bob Caslin. Uh, you know, was it 
fair given his political leanings for the university to, to revolt. And one professor in particular probably should have been fired, I think, for uh, his partisan activities, if you will. Uh, Bob Caslin didn't really, you know, I think we know where his politics were, but he didn't really lead the university that way. Um, it was more a question of competence and gaffes and embarrassment. And I just don't know that the guy was happy there. Did a good job with COVID and things like that, but I, I don't know that he ever felt accepted. Uh, I don't know that he was ever happy, and I don't know that he should have taken the job, quite frankly. Yeah, I, I think – you know, when you talk about politics and you talk about a political move to install someone that, you know, and your, your goal is to own the libs or whatever, or, or, or your, your, I guess, fantasy land thinking on it is that you're going to, you're going to install this guy and all of a sudden, you know, some of your, your, your more, <laughs> extreme left-wing ideology will go away. And I don't know. I don't know what the thought process was. Let me just tell you this about college campuses and left-wing ideology, and then I'm going to get off of it. College campuses have been a bastion for left-wing ideology since the 1960s, probably before that, to be honest. But I know for a fact, since the 1960s, <laughs> college campuses have been liberal. Now, the United States of America, I mean, we're kind of a center-right country, you know, overall center-right. Society, uh, you know, has not swung to the left, you know. We progress and certain things that were, certain things that were uh, frowned upon way back when are not these days, but then certain things that weren't frowned upon way back when are, you know, society evolves and, uh, I think that you fight that battle, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, if you have a situation where, you know, your side maybe gets drowned out or whatever, you, you fight that battle with uh, fairness and equality. You know, you, you don't go in there and take over and own the lives with General Caslin <laughs> or, or someone like him. You, you go in there and, you know, you, you, you demand fairness and, and, and respect for all viewpoints. And that's kind of how the battle's been fought over the years and, and everything's fine. You know, so, so I, I think that was mis my point. There's a point to all this. It's not, not political, but my point to all this is that that was political and that was just, that was just the wrong idea. You know, you don't, you're not getting anywhere with that because it caused what it caused, you know? And so, and I'm not saying only liberals should apply for college presidencies, but I think you need someone that's an academic and most of those folks are liberal. Some of them are conservatives, but most of them are liberal, you know? So that's just kind of the job, you know, because a university president has to, has to, has to not alienate that, that that's the biggest thing about a president don't alienate you can't alienate athletics and their fans you can't alienate these people you can't alienate that donors uh and, and you know i think harris pastides did a good job of that uh when he was the not the interim president he's the interim now and he's done a good job kind of keeping it afloat and 
all that. John Palm certainly was an outstanding president at South Carolina. Andrew Sorensen got Pastides there and hired Eric Hyman. So I, I, his tenure, uh, although I'm not sure he's the most athletics friendly AD out there, his tenure was was good. So anyway, th- th- that was the problem there. And if and if it was that in a vacuum, um, I think it's unfortunate. But but I don't know that everybody's kind of up in arms. So th- they have another search that ended with our uh, the new guy from Illinois, Chicago. I'm not going to try to pronounce his name, but that's fine. Uh, and, you know, you, this group had already alienated Darla Moore. Now, Darla Moore got punted off the board because of Nikki Haley. And, you know, say what you want about the former governor. She did, did not go to Carolina. <laughs> Obviously, not a Carolina person. Uh, Clemson girl um, did replace Darla Moore with a, a damn fine human being and a Gamecock and a good guy. But that's Darla Moore. I mean, that's that's and, and Darla Moore doesn't have anything to do with athletics mostly. It's, it's all the academic end. And, you know, you you alienate your biggest booster probably in school history from the academic end with that. Uh, and then she's still embarrassed by Caslin and, and the board when her mom died or whatever. And she sent that letter. So you have more and more and more going on with that. So then the board of trustees alienates Lou Kennedy, who owns Nephron Pharmaceuticals, who, you know, 20 million gifts and uh, multi-million dollar gifts and stuff during the, this last surge where Dorn Smith, the chair of the board of trustees, allegedly wagged his finger in her face and said she doesn't have a say. And that's confirmed. That happened. Uh, and so there's that. And then the athletics portion is this. You know, they don't give athletics room to operate. I mean, it's like Ray Tanner and Chance Miller, and those guys have 22 different bosses. Now, uh, from what I was told, you know, that, that that's, you know, it's hard to maneuver and it makes everybody's job harder when you got to deal with all these people, but rather than just dealing with the president and getting it on. Um, but you know, that's not something that, that I, I think you need to sit here and, and just blame the board with, with how that basketball search went, because that that's sort of on Ray too, you know, or, or Ray, you know, and, and that's what I was told. This does not absolve, uh, any failed hires that Ray Tanner's made, uh, mistakes on contracts, well, you know, whatever your criticism is of Ray Tanner, uh, this has nothing to do necessarily with that. Uh, although his job's probably tougher than we think. That's number one. And then number two, you know, you have this kind of dysfunction when you go to replace Ray Tanner, which, you know, that could happen and sometime in the near future or the immediate, not, not the immediate future, but the near future, uh, who's going to come here. You think, uh, you know, I see all these pipe dreams out there that Tom Jurich, the former AD at Louisville will come out of retirement, you know, and, and I think that's that savior AD coach complex, but, you know, cause the Holtz and Spurrier and McGuire and everything else that's happened around here. I think that's a little bit of that. Like Tom Jurich is a hell of an AD though. I mean, and there are very few ADs out there that I'm going to sit there and give a big stamp of approval to, because a lot of them are clowns, 
they're, they're straight up clowns, you know, uh, but a lot of them aren't. And to get a non-clown, in my opinion, you can't have this kind of dysfunction. Um, and so that brings us to, to last Monday where in front of the committee, these guys are up for re-election for the BOT. Most of them are running unopposed. There's five of them, Eddie Floyd, Von Lee, Westbrook, Charles Williams, and the notorious Dorn Smith. Um, so, you know, I, I'm getting the info from sources in the state government. Hey, look, we want to reform uh, this athletics thing. They need to streamline the chain of command and not micromanage athletics. They just need to worry about approving contracts when it comes to it. Um, you know, this is ridiculous. Uh, and that from an athletic standpoint, that's it. Uh, and then there's all the academic stuff with alienating mega boosters, which you can't do. I mean, that, that's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, the presidential search and all that, you know, so, so there's a lot going on with these guys, right? Heading into this hearing Monday that's, uh, you know, public and it's, it's archived on video. If you go to state house, South Carolina statehouse.gov. Uh, it is the seven hour and 43 minute committee meeting. Uh, Carolina stuff starts about three hour, 15 minute mark. Uh, they did go ahead and move Alex English out of committee. They approved him, sent him on for a vote. And, and I think Alex will be back on the board. Definitely. But these other five were tabled. In other words, we're not advancing this right now. And there's good reason. And, and, and so I'm heading in to watch that. And I've talked to some folks, state government, they're like, man, this got to, this has to change or whatever, blah, blah, blah. There's bills uh, that they're probably going to introduce this week. You know, the, the legislature is in session, but for two more weeks, so time is of the essence. Uh, but if they can fast track it, you know, from what I've told a lot of, a lot of the Gamecocks in the, in the state house and maybe some clubs of people with Democrats and Republicans and everybody else that they, they, they want, they want to change. Uh, and so, this this hearing, guys, was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. Uh, I these guys came across as out of touch, uh, and not just about athletics, uh, clueless, uh, you know, defensive, uh, self serving, blame shifting, all of the above. And, and, and not very smart either. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm looking like these guys are running a institution of higher learning or have oversight. What, what are we doing? And, and it was crazy to me because they're a bunch of doctors and lawyers. Wow. <laughs> you know, I was like, these are doctors and lawyers. Um, started off Charles Williams. Uh, and I, I talked about him the other day. He's the only guy that voted against Lamont Paris's contract. He's griping about the buyout, you know. And Dick Harpootlian, who uh, everybody knows, I, I, I thought Dick did a good job of, with his questioning. You know, he's a good lawyer, good litigator. Uh, he was way off base with this buyout thing, right? You know, because, look, everybody, you know, the, the people out there that, hate Ray Tanner and, and want him gone tomorrow and think that's the, the one thing holding uh, the athletics back. Um, 
you know, they're going to sit there and, oh, Ray's stupid buyout for Muschamp, blah, 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 blah. Well, the criticism point there with Ray is, is, the, is an extra one, one extra year, right? So you're still looking, even if Ray had not done that, you're still looking at a sizable buyout, right? Uh, but Dick was wrong in that, you know, he, he kind of framed it like South Carolina had used taxpayer money to pay Muschamp's buyout. That's not true. What they did was they – they they were short overall with the budget, and they took the university loaned athletics some money out of their general fund to stay afloat. This is very common with a lot of athletics departments around the SEC and uh, ACC and wherever during COVID because COVID, uh, you know, the, the, these departments don't sit there and clear profit. You know, uh, you know they, they generate. You know, Carolina athletics generate one hundred forty million. They spent 136. You save four and a half and rainy day, whatever. Um, so they just didn't have the money to make up the deficit. And so they had to do that. The SEC helped them out. University helped them out. They got through. Otherwise, they couldn't have paid. I mean, they, you know, they, they, you had to do something. Uh, and then, you know, that my understanding is, is that, you know, Ray Tanner was ready to you know, make a change with Muschamp, but, you know, the people that were like dead set against Muschamp ever coaching again, uh, that, that was Caslin and the board and probably some big boosters too. Now, again, I'll, I'll explain this. I think I said this on the podcast the other day. The BOT is not the same thing as Carolina's big-time athletic boosters. Those are two separate entities. In fact, now, is there one? Are there one or two big money boosters on the BOT? Yes, yes, no question. But it's not like that's the same group or the same circle. I've, I've been told the actual boosters, the guys with big money, the the Ken Longs of the world, and the you know the Joe Rices of the world, and, and folks like that. Those guys, are, I've heard, are some of the best people to work with boosters in the country because they give and they, people do their job. You know. They don't meddle. Uh, so anyway, th there's that. But, you know, that, that was my understanding on Muschamp. And then under questioning from Harputley, and instead of, you know, Thad Westbrook fought back a little bit and then kind of giggled and joked about Dabo or something. And I'm like, oh, you can't. I mean, man, this is not a message board post. You, you got to have your crap together, Right. And the rest of them folded. No, I agree. We shouldn't. Have. I mean, one of them even said we should never give buyouts. <laughs> I'm like, if you if you now if you if you come out as a university say our policy is not to give buyouts. Oh, <laughs> good luck hiring an AD. Uh, good luck hiring any coach, you know, at all. I mean, you, you're going to have to go to Division Two uh, and get a guy that's just so confident that. You know, and the money's just so much more that, you know, if he gets fired within a year, so be it. Life-changing money. I mean, that, that's what you're looking at because there's nobody that's going to – nobody's going to come from the Sun Belt. Nobody's going to come from Conference USA. Nobody's going to come from the damn SOCON. If, 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 you're, if you just say we're not giving buyouts, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And, again, this has nothing to do with, you know, bad hires and having to pay them. It's a way to avoid buyouts, make better hires. Uh, but 
You know, it's, it's a fact of life. I mean, South Carolina in football right now uh, plays an institution from College Station, Texas, Texas A&M. Uh, if they fire Jimbo Fisher tomorrow, they're on the hook for $81 million. And then Jimbo does not have a buyout if he leaves. <laughs> so, you know, you want to talk about a ridiculous contract? That's ridiculous. I don't think South Carolina should ever do that. But that's that's what you're up against in this league. Nobody ever mentioned SEC once, I don't think. Once. No, nobody ever said Dick Harpootley in South Carolina competes in the SEC. You know, and, and I – if you're a leader at South Carolina and you're in that position, these people are allegedly leaders, right? Then you, you know, against the a sort of Clemson spiced propaganda machine, there, uh, you, you got to brush back and say, "Hey, look, you know," and and, and you, you can't sit there and talk about Dabo. And I mean, that's just, you know, South Carolina, South Carolina, Clemson's Clemson. They're in. Another league, they have their own deal. You know, they, and South Carolina does have to compete with them. And, you know, I, I think at some point that's another bad look on Ray Tanner because that series is not going well <laughs> for the Gamecocks in, in anything. You know, softball, latest scalp they've taken. That's a subject for another time. But, you know, you, you, you have to understand where you're at. You know, and, and, and you're not, you know, it's more than just Clemson that you have to compete against in, in this league. And whereas, you know, South Carolina is not the only school that's had meddling board of trustees members. Uh, Auburn does, but a lot of their guys are their big boosters, too, that are on that board. Missouri, over their board of curators overruled their AD and that's how they ended up with Eli Drinkwitz a while back. Uh, so it happens, right? But not like this. And then this level of public incompetence on top of the president's searches, on top of meddling with the athletics department, on top of publicly stating that you don't want to have bias. I mean, th this was just a, you know, I'm trying not to get to, I'm sure these people are good people personally, for the most part. I don't know them, at least probably three or four of them, I, you know, one of them I'm not too sure about just based on the, 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 the amount of ignorant toxicity that I've heard about uh, the chairman. Um, if half of it's true, he needs to be removed tomorrow. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know how the hell he got to be chairman. I mean, whoever decided that, wow. And there's just no reason, no reason. I mean, it, it was awful. And his answers were worse than anybody's defensive. Anyway, you know, you have a public display like that, and that's probably the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, and what I was told was, you know, because people, when you get the state legislature involved, the General Assembly, people like Dick Arputley, and who, you know, they're politicians and all that, you know, I understand the hesitancy. Oh my God, what are they trying to do? You know, and if you listen to Harpootley and it, it came across like he wanted to neuter the spending in the athletic part, said they were spending like drunken sailors. Uh, he didn't know what he's talking about with that. Uh, and I'm, I doubt anything like that's going to happen. 
but the worry always is, oh, these the politicians are going to meddle, and just like they did in the in the in the president search and ended up with Caslin, and uh, so people get a little up, you know, uptight, and we, you know, oh God, but, but well, you know, me too, but I checked into it. <laughs> I did some digging, you know, and I, and I told somebody uh, on the message board, I was like. You know, every now and then, old JC, referring to, referring to myself in the third person there, uh, you know, ceases to become, you know, ceases to be a blowhard columnist and podcaster that just gives his opinion and analysis. And sometimes I do actual journalism. And this is one of those times, and I'm proud of it, too. I, you know, it's been a while. Although I, you know, did tell you about Lamont Paris before anybody else, did tell you about Jody Wright before anybody else. I guess I'm... I'm on a roll, but uh, that's that, that's sort of scoop and reporting and not, you know, digging, digging, digging. And so I dug, and uh, I, I as a as someone that has a vested interest in the success of the University of South Carolina across the board, academically, athletically, you name it. Um, I was encouraged for for the first time in a while, and and I'm not saying that. Carolina's people in the state house are timid. I mean, you look, like I said, you know, you talk about the board of trustees being a lot of doctors and lawyers. That's the same thing in the state. A lot of lawyers. And uh, as there's two law schools, maybe three in the state now, but for years it was just USC. There are Gamecocks, you know, all Gamecocks. And uh, I'll just say, I think that, you know, the right people are making this move. Uh, the They are people that understand uh, athletics and, and the need for separation. They also understand the need to streamline the chain of command and shrink the board. And I, you know, dang it. You know, it's hard for me sometimes to trust politics, especially with this world we live in these days, but I was encouraged because I was like, finally, you know, and, 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 you know, someone on my message board, also one of our members said, Hey, cause there's a lot of discussion said, Hey, our fathers wanted this. Our grandfathers wanted this to happen. And I felt that I felt that guys, you know, because, you know, ignorance and arrogance equals danger. People, people these days like to throw uh, the word safety around and the word danger around. And, you know, some of these people don't, you know, get off TikTok and Instagram and your phone and, you know, it's a world out there. It's safe. You know, <laughs> don't you know, your safety, you know, you know, come on. Um, and I think it's overused at times, but I also think that when you want to talk about real danger in terms of what could be dangerous for the university or any institution or any group uh, is that you have someone in a position of leadership uh, or a group of people that are both ignorant and arrogant at the same time. And that hearing guys, and again, you can, it's public. It's, it's not, not something I'm interpreting through sources, that hearing. I, I saw it with my own eyes and people that have are with me. Uh, I've never seen a display like that. And I don't know whether it was ignorance or arrogance or both, but there was hints of both. And that's scary. You know, that's scary. You know, when, when you think about who's been at the wheel here, <laughs> you know, no wonder things have been embarrassing. You know, people talk about leaked information and I don't know about leaked information. I mean, things have leaked, but I'm glad they did. So 
that's my take on the BOT. And and look, I am sure that, and, and, and this is the price of doing business, right, it, with me. I, I talked about buyouts or the price of doing business in the SEC. Uh, this is the price of me doing business. I'm sure, uh, you know, in our state, which is not very big, everybody kind of knows everybody. I'm sure Dorn Smith and Eddie Floyd and uh, Westbrook and Von Lay and uh, Charles Ways all have friends, and I'm sure some of you know them. And uh, I just want to say it's not personal. Uh, the arrogance and ignorance thing, that that's not about them as human beings. It's about you know, their performance as board of trustees members of the University of South Carolina uh, and someone that's the chair that's completely incompetent and has no business being in that role under any circumstances. It needs to be gone yesterday. But it's not personal. You know, I'm sure they're good people and, you know, I know some people that know they're good, really good Gamecocks, you know, love, love the university. I'm not questioning that. But you can love the university all you want. Pull for the Gamecocks all you want, you know, but if, if you are not performing, <laughs> uh, and it's not just, oh, things could be better, guys. It's not, it's not, ladies and gentlemen, it's not, oh, well, you know, things could be better, but it's okay. It's, that's not it. This is, this is a, uh, this is not a, um, not a good thing. I mean, it, it's not good at all. It's, it's, you know, it's DEFCON 1. It's DEFCON 1. Maybe 2. Maybe 2, if they can fix it. But, but I mean, this is, this is an emergency. Uh, because everybody out there, I mean, look, University of South Carolina is a $1.7 billion enterprise in our state. Okay? It is a big part of the economy. Not only in Columbia, but in Aiken and Spartanburg and Beaufort and Sumter and wherever there's a branch campus. Uh, it educates our state. They're building a new medical school, which is great for healthcare and outcomes and research in our state, uh, which is our state doesn't rank very high with that. Um, you know, it, it's the flagship institution. And it, it cannot survive, uh, or it can survive. The university's survived a lot over the years, including a governor in the 1800s that built another school in the northwest part of the state because he was mad, but uh, that's history. Um, it can survive, but it cannot thrive and without new leadership. So the idea is they're going to shrink the board and – I don't know if any of these five people will even be back on the board. Uh, I, I do think there's going to be a push for some new blood. I'm not going to get into names as to who could be on the board or not, but uh, at least two of the names that I've gotten are fine, outstanding individuals that would write, help write the ship really quick. Great business sense, but also common sense, leadership, uh, no arrogance, that kind of thing. Um, and, and so people like that being on the board are good. I, I, do want to, I do want to mention Alex English because, you know, you guys that I'm talking to out here are sports fans, primarily game fans. And Alex English caught some hell about 
you know, supporting Frank Martin at the end of last year. And then, you know, the group that blocked his firing or whatever. Uh, and I want to tell you this, I, I dug into it a little bit and yeah, Alex Ingles supported Frank Martin and yeah, he didn't think he should have been fired, but he wasn't like the mastermind behind all that from what I'm told. Uh, so, so I, I, I think with, with him, you know, they kind of attached his name to, to some things because uh, he's Alex English for goodness sakes. Uh, but that was another, that was a, that was a different groundswell. And then, you know, all I think had to happen was uh, that, you know, Caslin pushed back a little bit on Daryl Jackson and, and get his political. I mean, you know, here's a guy that was hired because of politics, but doesn't have the, you know, political ability to circumvent uh, someone that's uh, whose party is in the, the old, I mean, uh, the Republicans, I think, have a super major veto-proof majority. I mean, <laughs> I think Jackson's a Democrat, so I don't know what. what how is he going to hold up medical school funding? But you know, nobody thinks about that, right? So you know, I, I'd, I'd give Alex English a break. Those of you out there that are just hyper focused on on sports, and rightfully so, I'm hyper focused on sports. I mean, it's not that I don't care about the academic end, but in this situation, it's all tied together. And you, you know what? I'm going to tell you this right now, sports fans, <laughs> you, you lose what the, the hundred million or so that, that Darla Moore gives over the years or, and that, that she could continue to give, you know, you lose the 20 million from Luke Kennedy and the academic, where are they going to start looking for money? Where are they going to start looking to, to nickel and dime? Oh, well, the $140 million a year athletic department, and that's going to grow to 200 very, very soon with new TV deals and things like that. So where are they going to look? They're going to come for the, the, the ball money, right? So it's all important. But anyway, uh, again, look for something significant to happen next week, hopefully. Uh, again, it's – State Legislature, General Assembly, State of South Carolina, there's no guarantees of anything. Uh, but my understanding is uh, that there are enough people ready to, to really have meaningful reform uh, to where it'll happen. And uh, so then you reform the board. You have a new president coming in uh, from Illinois, Chicago. He was there previously. Uh, and then athletics is streamlined to the point where the AD runs it, reports to the president. And then the BOT is just uh, just a rubber stamp. I don't want to say rubber stamping contracts, but just approved contracts. That that that's your job. Don't get involved with anything else. All right. So now it's time for the I Help Consulting mailbag, and I am enjoying catching up with these. Love the mailbag, and I love I Help Consulting. <laughs> really do. Uh, go to IHelpConsulting.com and uh, talk with Daniel. Uh, if you're a business owner, you're looking to save time and money. iHelp Consulting can help you. iHelp is a Gamecock-owned and operated company whose only mission is to help businesses save money on expenses. Whether you think you may be paying too much for credit card processing, insurance, internet, anything else, iHelp can find your business the most savings without sacrificing quality. And remember, if iHelp can't save your business any money, you don't pay them anything. That's right. They can't help your business. There's no cost to you. 
So call or text Daniel at iHelp, 843-372-5713, or visit iHelpConsulting.com to schedule a free consultation. That number again, 843-372-5713, iHelp Consulting, how can I help you? All right, follow this podcast on Twitter at the Big Spur Pod, and also Instagram at Inside the Gamecocks. Um, all right, first one in. You, you can tweet to get in the mailbag. Tweet at the Big Spur Pod, and um, then the email is inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. Gamecock fan three, JC, you said safety is an area of concern with with us being thin there and the death being young. Do you think that with the numbers we brought in this year and assuming we have normal DB numbers in the coming class, that position won't be as concerning moving forward? Yeah, I do. Um, I, I just, you know, you got some guys coming in. I mean, Nick Emanuare, Anthony Rose, those guys are freaks. Peyton Williams is going to be solid. Keenan Nelson, obviously a highly recruited guy. Emory Floyd, uh, Kawan Banks. I mean, it, it was a larger D-backs class. And you, you throw Reed in there as well uh, from the transfer portal. Um, and those guys will grow up and be in their second year. And, and, you know, and I, and I think upside wise, they probably, you know, and, and you never know because some guys stay hurt and get injured and it takes them a while. So don't, you know, don't get mad at me if, if Keenan Nelson has barely played midway through 2023, but he's been injured. Right. So, you know, they'll be a year older. Uh, you're going to have to replace R.J. Roderick will be gone. Devontae Reed will probably be gone. Uh, Cam Smith will probably be gone. You know, you have to kind of rebuild the se- the secondary in 2023. You're going to get ready, uh, get a lot of these guys ready. So, yeah, I, I think the numbers will be, uh, you know, will help moving forward. Um, and, and also, look, you know, you don't worry so much about you know, a Nelson or a Rose or, you know, whoever you got back there being, you know, rotating in for, for 10, 15 plays a game and, you know, giving guys a breather. What you worry about is, is if there are injuries back there, uh, you know, cause then you've got, uh, you know, you got a, uh, you got a roll, you know, with these guys for 70 plays a game. <laughs> uh, and I'm kind of, you know, I don't know why this position has been such an issue for seven years, but it has. Uh, so we'll see. You know, because safeties, you know, there's been some really good safeties that have played in Carolina. I mean, yeah, over the years, I, I don't get it, but um, here they go. So we'll see uh, see what happens there. But I do I do like the numbers because uh, you know the more guys you sign, the more. You know, you know, let's say you sign six, four of them will pan out pretty well. You know, the other two, the more you sign, the better. Uh, and then there's always the portal. And, and I don't know that, you know, maybe they won't go look at a uh, at a transfer safety, uh, another one, kind of like Tyrese Rawls last year. Thanks, Gamecock fan three, Jake Gibb. I uh, said former five-star A&M tight end Baylor Cup entered the transfer portal. Gamecocks do need depth there. Don't see them. I don't know if they'll get involved with him or not. I'm not going to say no, but I'm not going to say yes either. Really good player. Well, I mean, I, I you know, I, I just don't know. You know, I, I think they need 
another Trey Kenyon type, you know. But but hey, Baylor Cup, Baylor Cup. I mean, I, I don't know. Wyatt Campbell's looked pretty good out there in practice too as a blocking guy. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, but I've heard nothing about them uh, and Cup. But you know, sometimes they surprise me too. Some you'll you'll hear nothing, and then they'll end up getting uh, back on campus. Uh, or, or getting the guy on campus or, or whatever. So we'll see. All right, switching now to the inbox. I uh, just want to say, Mark, got your message. He sent me a private email, uh, and I have responded. First one for Keith. Uh, two questions. I've heard rumors South Carolina could try to take a top assistant from Clemson's men's basketball program. How common is it for coaches to jump ship from Clemson to South Carolina and vice versa in any sport? Um, I think Clemson soccer coach one time, Trevor Adair. I don't know if that's still the coach there or not. Was an assistant at South Carolina, maybe a Gamecock grad had some connection to Mark, Mark Burson. Um, you know, I, I have not heard that about Clemson specifically, uh, you know, in terms of their, you know, I, now look, the, the guy, Steve Smith that they fired because he was recruiting Zion Williamson and, and, and made that comment about Dabo and football paying player allegedly, maybe, you know, maybe, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. You know, I, I, it would be interesting to me. So I'm looking, uh, Antonio Reynolds, Dean, would that be a guy? He's a former, Former guy that worked for Earl Grant at College of Charleston, Kareem Richardson. Um, trying to see. He was the head coach at Missouri, Kansas City, Indiana State. Spent one year with Patino at Louisville. I don't know where they would have crossed paths. Uh, maybe uh, he's from Rantoul. All state, Rantoul, Illinois. <laughs> uh, just kind of looking at that. I know where that is. Uh, one of my, but my buddy's wife. Um and then Dick Bender. That's a hell of a name, isn't it? Uh, yeah. So I don't know if that would be the guy either. So I, I don't know who from Clemson they would go and get, if that makes sense. So, you know, we'll just have to see. Um, I have been told that they're going to shoot for the stars when it comes for to uh, one of the hires. Uh, but like I told you at the, at the opening, I don't know enough about it to know well, who is a star. I would have to like go and, and check on with my basketball guys that know the ins and outs to know that. Number two, Keith says, with the recent improvements in men's basketball across the conference from strong positions in football, baseball, women's basketball, does it try, feel like the SEC is trying to be the premier conference of college athletics? How do you see that playing out in the future? Thanks. And good to be back asking questions. Same to you, Keith. Don't be a stranger. Uh, yeah, I do think that's the case. Uh, you know, in men's basketball, adding Oklahoma and Texas uh, as two, two really good men's basketball programs for the Big 12, I just think there's always going to be uh, outside of a place like Kentucky that's a basketball school. There's always going to be like – weird things that, that happened to SEC basketball teams, uh, especially early, you know, when the season starting so early in November, we, we talk about the bad losses Frank Martin had at Carolina, but 
man, SEC teams around the look around the league, you know, in November, and they're they're playing a good mid major, not a great one. Uh, and, and they're at home and there's a thousand people in the stands and, and nobody cares and they get beat, they take an L. I've seen it at a bunch of programs. Uh, and there's also, I think, I think we're starting to see some consistency out of Auburn, Arkansas, and Alabama. And AM certainly uh, got screwed and uh, Buzz Williams has got them going in the right direction. Um, so I think we're starting to see some consistency. I just think that, uh, a lot of these programs are woefully inconsistent. Uh, they go up, they go down. Uh, Missouri fires Quanzo Martin. That was a surprise. Two NCAs in four years, and, and he's out. Pretty good, pretty good coach and recruiter there. I, you know, so you know the, the consistency is going to be the key for anybody. Uh, I think that uh, that coaches in this league in men's basketball, and I, I just I think baseball is there. I think women's basketball. When you look at, uh, and this is just a surface level opinion, you know, uh, Vic Schaefer leaving Mississippi State for for Texas, I think hurt, but Vic's coming right back in the league. <laughs> Oklahoma's got great women's sports. Um, you know, that was kind of the other program. Tennessee hadn't made it back, Lady Vols. Uh, you know, and you got other kind of programs that are kind of up and down. Uh, I do think Kim Mulkey at LSU uh, gives gives the league another team besides Carolina uh, that can compete to go to Final Fours and things like that. You know, congratulations to Kentucky for winning the SEC tournament and pulling the upset like that. But that's exactly what it was, was an upset. Uh, so women's ball, you know, I, I think it's still a brutally tough league. Um, I think that to be the premier league unquestioned, there needs to be some teams that, that kind of step up uh, and, and, and can win uh, at a high level, uh, like the Gamecocks. Uh, but thanks. And, and, you know, and, and I think baseball speaks for itself. I think baseball is always going to be – I mean, shoot, it seems like they have 50% of the field in Omaha every year. Men's basketball will be my one question. Men's basketball will be my one question. And I still think it's a hell of a basketball league that, that doesn't get – yeah, I, a lot of the credit that it deserves, um, and it's coming. But uh, that would still be my, you know, if there's a sport, that, you know, of the big four or whatever, that would be the one I would question. Thank you, Keith. Sean. All right, so this is good. This is good from Sean because, look, uh, don't believe everything you read on Twitter. Um especially things that, that don't pass the smell test. Uh, so anyway, this guy, Matt Harris, I guess he reviewed some uh, 990 forms for the fiscal year 2020 and says snapshot of booster support, LSU 65 million, Georgia 63, A&M 60, Auburn 55, Missouri 41, Ole Miss 28, Arkansas 28, Mississippi State 28, Florida 21, and Carolina 10. And then he couldn't track it down for Bama, Tennessee, Kentucky, or Vandy. So you're you're missing four teams that shouldn't be that bad. And different schools calculate things different ways. Now I have no dang idea what form he looked at to get 10.8 million. 
but I'll tell you this, there is no planet where Missouri outright, if you want to take Carolina out of it, where Missouri out doubles Florida's donations. Florida's a larger school. It's a larger fan base. It's a more passionate fan base. They have more money. I mean, there's no planet where, you know, Ole Miss outraises Florida. There's no planet where that happens. Uh, so this is a this is a tweet that, you know, maybe maybe this guy should have thought a little bit better about it because I know he's proud that he you know got to hold all those forms and he's gonna he's gonna put out something really cool and you know make people talk and and all that, but it's inaccurate. And I, I went and looked because uh, you know I'm just like. I mean, I'm just not going to – yeah, I'm not going to deal with that. Yeah, it looks like everybody is lapping Carolina. And, and I know that you guys – I mean, I know that you guys give. So – and what it is, it's a it's a, a reporting kind of deal. Uh, it, it's how they report everything. You know, so University of South Carolina, and this is fiscal year 2021. I'll go to 2020. All right, so donor contributions for fiscal year 2020, 25.72 million for South Carolina. Now, some schools, like their their ticket costs and stuff, ticket sales are lumped in with boosters and stuff like that. You know, so so between ticket sales and donor contributions, 66 million. Um, you know, and they, they brought in 46 from the conference. Um, and so revenue, uh, for the Gamecocks, 133 million now, 2021, which is the hunk of the pandemic ticket sales were only 9 million because of limited crowds. Uh, donor contributions were 14 million because they, you know, refunded some of the Gamecock club or whatever. Uh, and then 76 million from TV and conference distributions. Remember, uh, so that number was really 53, and the SEC uh, gifted 23 more million uh, out to the, the various universities. Uh, and, you know, the spending uh, 10% up, I guess. Uh, football spending was up there with the Muschamp buyout. Um, but South Carolina still spends less than, you know, the median in the Southeastern Conference, even with the buyout. So, you know, I, I think the Gamecocks are very competitive when it comes to boosters. I, I, you know, I think that one thing I would encourage everybody to do is to get behind NIL, uh, you know, and, and I did the math the other day. If, 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 if everybody I sort of interact with, um, podcast, website, you know, whatever, uh, gave an average of $25 a month to the uh, Carolina Rise, the new NIL collective I'm having, uh, there's not going to be a problem making strongly competitive NIL deals uh, with student athletes. And you don't have to just get, you don't have to do it for mine. I mean, you can give it to Garnet Trust. You could, uh, if you're, you got the wherewithal, you can go out, strike out on your own and do it, you know, for an individual player. Um, 
you know, I, I think with NIL money, it's more about numbers and number of people and all that. But South Carolina is very competitive. Uh, do they have the amount of big money boosters that some other schools have? Probably not. Uh, it, it, it's not a smaller school necessarily. It's a smaller state. Um, you know, so I, I, uh, I, I think that, you know, like I said, with South Carolina's boosters, I, I think they're very good giving people. Um, I think that they, uh, you know, they're some of the best boosters in the country. And I'm talking about boosters, not the board of trustees, obviously. So, uh, you know, I, I think Carolina's pretty much set there. I think they're doing well. Um, you know, NIL is going to change a lot uh, in the landscape, but, but I, I kind of liken it to, you know, the power of the Gamecock nation is sort of, and I hate to use another political reference, but it's sort of like uh, some of these politicians that, that raise small dollar donations in abundance. You know, they don't have to go schmooze with the guy folks that are going to, you know, write them a million dollar check, you know, or have a hundred thousand dollar plate fundraiser. Uh, they just have a bunch of people that give five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks. And there are a lot of y'all, a lot of Gamecocks out there, you know, uh, that can get get on board with that, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but, I, you know, you, you look at it, that number, I don't know where 10,800 came from, uh, but uh, according to the Knight Foundation, which tracks all this, they professionally do this, uh, that number for fiscal year 2020 was $25 million. And I don't know what this guy, Matt Harris, was trying to do. I mean, you know, why was it? Was it fiscal year 2020? What was he trying to say? These guys are spending too much because of COVID. What What was the deal? I, mean, I don't know. I just I don't I don't know what the thought process was. Ah, he's he's a Missouri guy. Ah, so I had rights for Rocky of Nation. So yeah, right, so there we go. So it's not it's not a coincidence that uh, Sean that Missouri all of a sudden. You know, was only behind LSU, Georgia, AM, and Auburn. You know, that's not a coincidence, right? right. So, anyway. All right. Not going to get into the women's basketball team not being on the court for the national anthem. And uh, I'll tell you why. They haven't been on the court for the national anthem all year. People are starting to write articles about it now. This is something that has been going on all year, and this is America. And no matter if you, no matter how you protest, and I'm not saying I agree with it at all because I, I love the flag in this country, and I think it's, you know, I don't agree with the the decision. You know, I think it's it, it's it's not. Um, I don't know. I'm not gonna not gonna really get into that. Uh, but don't, you know, let's just not make this crazy, you know, right now. And, and, and look, if this is something to where they wait until they got the final four, and then they're going to, you know, go out there and, you know, put activism over the, the final four, whatever, you know, I think that's a different debate, but this has been happening all year long. Uh, I, I, you know, I wouldn't, you know, I would probably wait before I was too critical about it. You know, and and like I said, freedom of speech, man, it works both ways. And 
you know, there, there's too much these days of people trying to cancel other people because of their political beliefs. And so I would encourage you not to do it. Just got a text about that from a friend of mine. So I wanted to mention that. All right. Inside the Gamecocks podcast, wrapping up on a Saturday. Folks, uh, I know if you grew up in South Carolina, you probably don't like either one of these schools, Duke and North Carolina, but I bet you've watched, if you're a basketball guy, quite a few Duke-North Carolina games over the years. and They're meeting in the Final Four. What a storyline. Mike Krzyzewski in his final go-around with the Blue Devils, made it in the Final Four and gets to play their arch nemesis uh, in New Orleans. That's going to be good. Gamecock baseball won Friday night, 4-1. to one, Big win at Missouri. They play again today. Uh, and then the women. Uh, and then we'll be back next week. Don't forget the football scrimmage coverage on thebigspur.com. Appreciate you guys very, very much for taking the time to listen today. Uh, probably can pretty much guarantee that, you know, we're going to continue to talk as news arrives or arises from this board of trustees stuff. Uh, but we'll be back to talking ball and players and, and, you know, X's and O's and things like that. Uh, but you know, look, man, I'm not afraid to say what needs to be said. Uh, and that does the BOT after uh, this week's very public display of complete incompetence and i've used all those adjectives that you know before um that kind of shows you that the, the people that have been screaming for years that that's a problem they probably were onto something and i kind of always thought it was sort of a boogeyman you know that's ah, a boogeyman i know some of those guys but i i think i knew the right people like the good people and uh i don't think i realized uh, just how bad it was because it is bad and it needs to change and if it doesn't you know that's you know, the, uh, like I said, those of you that dream of Tanner riding off into the sunset and the Gamecocks hiring a, a, an athletic director on the level of Mike McGee or Eric Hyman, you, you're going to be sadly mistaken. You're going to be very disappointed. And then that trickles down. You know, you're not going to be able to hire coaches. You know, that kind of thing. You better hope Lamont Paris and Shane Beamer and Mark Kingston, Don Staley, uh, stick around for a while. So, anyway. But we'll, uh, we'll get into that next week and, and get into more ball stuff and all that. Love doing them on Saturdays. These podcasts are always fun. Uh, get to catch up, a little more relaxed, a little less busy. And anyway, hope all you guys are doing well. Have a blessed weekend, and we'll holla at you soon. <laughs>